What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with John as this is episode 58 and today is our special review recap episode of WWE SummerSlam which took place on Sunday evening on the WWE Network. Uh, I'm joined by two special guests. I'm joined by Heather and Chris, otherwise known as Half Decent. Hi guys, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, Hello. very good. Hi, Heather. Hi, Chris. So we'll talk more to uh, Heather and Chris very soon. But as usual, we'll throw out our, our, our social media plugs so you know where to find us on social media. On Twitter, first of all, our Twitter handle is at withjohners underscore pod. So go and reach out to us on there. Instagram, that's instagram.com forward slash wrestlingwithjohners. And go out and search for us on the Facebook page. We've got a Facebook group called Wrestling With Johnners. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share and shout about this uh, podcast. Shout about it to your friends and to your family. This is your only weekly NXT and NXT UK podcast that you need. So please spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family and help this podcast continue to grow so that we can produce quality content for you each and every week. So once again, back to Heather and Chris. Um, you've recently got done watching SummerSlam. So um, yeah, okay, looking forward to talking to you about it today. Day. um what overall kind of what were your kind of Im- impressions of it coming out of it uh, was it a good show uh, somewhere in yeah. the middle what did you think um, I really really liked it actually I think you know going into this one we weren't sure um we kind of had mixed feelings about how good it would be we've got our um you know matches that we were really excited about matches that we weren't very excited about and I have to say that we were we were really surprised by some of the big moments um that yeah. i'm looking forward to talking about in a bit yeah it was a bit of a mixed bag wasn't it going into yeah. it, you know the, some of the matches were announced quite late as you tend to get with a lot of wwe pay-per-views um yeah. and uh, yeah it was a bit of a mixed bag there were some matches that obviously jumped off the page that were look, definitely looking quite exciting like uh, ricochet versus aj styles and the oh, debut yeah. of the feed and the championship matches um but uh, there were a few noticeable absences no um samoa joe no tag no tag matches at all on that the pay-per-view so and uh, no tag title matches with that as well um no roman reigns so there were some big matches and some you know championships not being defended and uh, uh some tag teams and some uh, yeah it, it, it was interesting going into it um it was a different type of pay-per-view than we've yeah. had before um but uh, usually they kind of throw everybody into it and all the names and all the matches but uh, it seemed a lot more condensed uh, with a bit more of a streamlined uh, card but definitely you know it, it did have its positives going into it and uh, had lots of positives coming out of it so I can't wait to talk about it Chris what about yourself um you're, you're a keen wrestling fan and you do follow WWE uh what were your thoughts going into SummerSlam before this weekend yeah I think you summed up quite nicely a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of some of the late announcements and even the fact that Roman Reigns was advertised all the way up until the end um and then just removed for no reason yeah. Um, it does feel like there's almost not confusion, but definitely change in WWE and the way that they're doing things at the moment. And I think the result of the pay-per-view being a lot shorter, being a lot more streamlined, having matches that did matter, I thought was a, a, a big part of it. Uh, some matches maybe didn't need people in there, but it was still good to see them anyway. Um, generally, overall, a good pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. Def- did benefit from being a lot shorter i thought which is they, they need to get really good at doing a three-hour pay-per-view again and then yeah. they can start trying the four and five hour ones 
definitely yeah well I, well I didn't watch it live I saw it the following day and yeah. um I, I, you know I, I watched it when I got back from from work and it was done by bedtime so it was all wrapped up within three and a half hours it was all I'd say nice you didn't have to stay up too late to watch it but uh no, it was a good show and a good length but uh, just to um catch our listeners up on kind of future shows future podcasts that we're going to be covering here uh we're going to be having our, our weekly show each thursday or friday uh covering nxt and nxt uk um as we usually do on a weekly basis but there are going to be some special shows coming up for our listeners um friday the 30th of august uh we've got our weekly nxt and nxt uk uh recap show um but on friday the 30th of august we're going to be doing a special nxt uk takeover cardiff preview show oh, and that's nice. going to be the day before our uh, the big um, NXT UK takeover in Cardiff uh, which I'll be going to and we'll have Kieran Reid on that uh, particular episode on Friday the 30th giving a, a full rundown of not only that week's shows uh, but of the card that's going to be taking place at Takeover Cardiff and all of our thoughts and feelings going into that big show as I mentioned I will be in Cardiff on Saturday the 31st watching Takeover Cardiff and I'll be covering it on the podcast here on Sunday the 1st with David Anderson uh, doing a full review show of NXT UK takeover Cardiff the following day on Monday the 2nd um, I'll be joined by Ash Crawford and Chris Thornton where we'll be covering AEW's next pay-per-view All Out which are it's also taking place on the Saturday evening, uh, so we won't be doing uh, two podcasts uh, on Sunday. One will happen on the Sunday, and the AEW show will be covered on the Monday, um, and then we'll continue with our, our weekly show every Thursday, Friday. But some big shows to look forward to there, some really big wrestling events. Um, August has already been a pretty special uh, month for wrestling fans. Like I say, this weekend alone, we had NXT TakeOver Toronto, and we're going to be covering WWE SummerSlam now uh, with uh, some of the big shows to come later on in the month so are there any kind of shows that i've just mentioned that you're going to be uh, looking forward to seeing um your, your thoughts on aew and will you be watching that or nxt takeover uk uh, what's your thoughts on some of them shows yet to come up oh yeah we're, we're actually huge aew fans um so um we're super psyched about um all out um yeah and i think we would really have loved to go to nxt takeover cardiff as well had we yeah. um you know not not been so busy uh, <laughs> such as life we're, we're always doing something so so we weren't able to go to that um but that would have been also been a really really cool event to go to cool cool and and did i mention that we're now selling t-shirts so uh you can now go to oh. teespring.com and uh you can have a look at our wrestling with john's range of t-shirts and uh, other merchandise there and if you purchase anything from teespring.com before the end of the month you can get 10 percent off your purchase and uh, to go directly to our store go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash wrestling with Jonas and like I say any purchase before the end of August you get 10% off of your purchase uh, I know Heather and Chris you've got your t-shirts on their way haven't you <laughs> yeah we're really excited we can't wait to put them on yeah really excellent excited. Really Brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Um, so uh, let's uh, kick on. So we've got um, uh, a nine match card, I think. Uh, and the first match of the night was for the Raw Women's Championship between uh, Natty Neidhart, Natalia, whatever you want to call her, against the man, uh, the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. Um, so uh, I, I, the last time we spoke about Becky Lynch was when the three of us did the WrestleMania review in April. And yeah. um, she's held on. She, she was a 
uh, Becky two belts, then she won both the SmackDown and the Raw Women's Championship um, that night in the main event at WrestleMania in New Jersey. She's still hanging on to the Raw Women's Championship. She's had a little bit of a feud with Lacey Evans over the last uh, few months, uh, but now she's up against Natalia. Now, um, Natalia won a gauntlet match, I understand, to uh, kind of qualify or, or uh, uh, go forward uh, in the number one contender's position for Becky's championship here. Uh, but I think another reason why she's wrestling uh, against Becky Lynch is because she's a native Canadian, of course, mm-hmm. um, and uh, part of the legendary Hart family from Calgary. Um, but uh, w- was this a match that we were particularly looking forward to going into it? Um, how have you found Becky Lynch as the Raw Women's Champion since WrestleMania? And uh, could, yeah, just give us your thoughts on this one before uh, we kick into some of the detail. Cool. Um, so I would just um, briefly kind of say Chris and I were quite excited about this because obviously mm. you've got two native Canadian women fighting in this pay-per-view and then we yeah. were thinking okay well they're not going to give it to both of them are they like what are they actually going to do but I follow Natalia on Instagram and I was certain before watching SummerSlam that she had won the match and I was really excited because I was thinking you know she's had a bit of a rough year she has always been on the sidelines you know compared to some of the other women someone who um you know has helped Ronda Rousey train you know she's there helping bring the other women up in the division and I I was really quite excited for this to be her moment so um you know surprised I think by the outcome um Chris what do you what do you think about how Becky's been you know as a champion I thought she's done really well I I didn't particularly like Lacey Evans beforehand but I do think that after the feud like you could see a lot of what made Lacey good. So I thought that Becky brought that out of Lacey Evans and they really helped each other. Um, I think it was right ending that feud when it did. It felt like it was a natural end and that that we'd almost seen everything that we would probably see. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. And then moving into bringing Natalia into it, I thought was also really good because it meant that Becky is now going to start beating the people that are legitimate a bit yeah. more because Lacey kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then after that, the feud was kind of reliant on uh, Seth and Becky being together, which I'm I'm never really too keen on that. It's like you should just be able to be a good champion by yourself. As much as it made for some entertaining TV, I, th- I think the best thing is for Becky to just go out there and keep keep having great matches with all the great talent across the roster um and Which it's good to see that charlotte flair is no longer in that picture either she's got her own things that she's chasing and her own history that she's cementing so um yeah i thought it was it was a good build up to to what should have been a great match yeah so i i must admit i don't follow natalia on instagram like heather does <laughs> uh, i've never really been a big fan of natalia but she did look amazing as she entered for this match i don't know if you noticed her jacket which is kind of like spiky and mirror plated um so she did look fantastic uh, for her kind of native canadian fans um but to remember this was a submission match as well so it couldn't end via pinfalls it was a submission match for the raw women's championship and natalia of course has the uh, uh, infamous um, Hart family moved the sharpshooter uh, going up against Becky's disarmor. So just to go through some of the highlights of this match, uh, Becky and uh, Natalia starts the match by trading blows. Um, before Becky takes control of the match with her Bexploder suplex, uh, Becky makes several early attempts to make Natty submit, uh, but Natalia eventually manages to power out of Becky's offense. Manages she she then manages to swing the champ uh, against the barriers at ringside. Then, in uh, a unique bit of offense, Natty is some some 
somehow able to apply the sharpshooter while Becky is caught up in the turnbuckles. So usually you see it kind of on the ground, on the canvas. This was up in the ropes. Uh, she applied the move with Becky caught up uh, in the ropes or in the turnbuckles. Uh, Becky makes a bit of a comeback and is able to drive Natalia into the steel ring steps and then into the announcer's table at ringside as she tries to get feeling back into her own injured leg. Um, there's uh, a, an awesome superplex spot from the top rope by Natalia with both women landing really hard from that move. Um, both wrestlers apply, apply each other's submission holes with Becky applying the sharpshooter and Natty applying uh, Becky's disarmor. Um, then there's a, a This Is Awesome chant from the fans in Toronto, and it was a really good match at this point. Uh, then Natalia eventually applies the sharpshooter in the centre of the ring, but Becky is able to drag herself out of the ring to make the escape. Then Becky is able to apply her disarmor submission in the centre of the ring with Natalia tapping out and giving the victory to the man to retain her Raw Women's Championship. So this was a better match than I thought it was going to be going into it. And in my opinion, this was one of Becky's better title defences since becoming a champion at this year's WrestleMania. All credit to Natalia, however, in this match. I'm still not her biggest fan, uh, but she did really, really well. And both wrestlers brought out the best in one another. And I do hope that this is kind of a, a one and done. I wouldn't mind seeing them wrestle again. Um, but uh, I think uh, Becky has bigger and better opponents ahead of her. But uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. So Becky Lynch, still the Raw Women's Champion uh, and uh, a good match, a good show from natalia uh what are your thoughts start with you chris yeah strong match um it was good that the submission aspect of it made you feel that it could have went anyway um almost like it if it was a normal match maybe we would have seen a submission anyway but um i thought it was good to have that stipulation in there um yeah all the spots you mentioned as well really good uh particularly the uh um, the sharpshooter on the turnbuckle that was really good i don't know if i've actually seen that before either no. so it's good to know that a move that has such history can still be so new and, and unique and she can put her own spin on it. Um, Natalia, yeah, thought she came in uh, looking in really good shape. She Her stamina was excellent throughout. Uh, and putting that match first, I think, really did help get the crowd kind of pumped up. And it was one of the more vocal WWE crowds that we've seen a pay-per-view in a while that hasn't been NXT. So I thought I thought that really helped add to this could be a good SummerSlam atmosphere. So great opening match. Yeah, definitely. What about yourself, Eva? Yeah, I completely agree on the on the atmosphere front. One of the things that we remarked on when we were watching it is just how how excited we felt and how pumped up we felt by how the crowd were feeling and reacting to uh, what was going on in the ring. So that was really cool. Um, what I liked about this match, um, obviously with the with the stipulation, with it being a submission match, I was really excited to see how innovative they were going to be with it and really, really happy with uh, with how that came out. So that was really cool as well. Um, it wasn't one of those stupid matches that was overdone. So, so many matches you watch, especially between female wrestlers, get catty. And I didn't think that this got catty. And I was, I was really happy with how professional it was and kind of how respectful of each other and each other's... Um, each other's skills really and what each other has achieved there's a lot of really good wrestling be. in it yeah just yeah. really good wrestling and you know i haven't really seen that from natalia before you know like i say I'm, i follow her but i you know this is just it's not necessarily like because i'm think she's the best wrestler ever but today i was i was happy and i thought yeah she she potentially could be 
you know higher up on the on the ranking so I don't know if I would agree with you and say this is a one and done you know maybe maybe this could turn into something quite exciting for both of them I'd like to probably see see a little something there you know maybe they end up teaming up to you know get rid of Lacey or something something like that something like that would make me really happy yeah <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest with you I was half expecting the return of Ronda Rousey uh, at some point during this match because uh, obviously you've got the uh, connection there with Natalia and Ronda being uh, yeah. you know so-called best friends or friends uh, on camera at least uh, and then of course you've got the you know the the, the feud from uh, from WrestleMania with Ronda and Becky that didn't happen but uh, I think that uh, Ronda is is due a return hopefully soon um, but uh, yeah it's a good match good way to kick off the show Show. The crowd were very lively. Obviously, it was a sellout show, a sellout crowd at the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, uh, set the night, um, you know, in, in a good light. Anyway, a good way to start the night. Then we get match number two: uh, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler versus Goldberg. So uh, before the match even starts. Dolph Ziggler grabs a mic, uh, stating that uh, you are looking at the best thing in pro wrestling, saying that Goldberg doesn't tend to show up for big matches. I think he's referring to his uh, dismal match against The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia from a couple of months ago, and that uh, Goldberg fears Ziggler. Um, I've got to admit that Goldberg looked great as he uh, kind of uh, stormed out of his dressing room and marched through uh, through the arena to the stage. Uh, for a 52-year-old, I think he looked absolutely fabulous. He's, he's, you know, to, to look at him, um, you, you know, he, he doesn't look that much different to when he was in his prime 20 yeah. years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, the match started uh, kind of very, very briskly. Uh, Dolph almost pulls off an upset from the very beginning. Uh, he sent shockwave through sh- shock waves even through the crowd as he gets two quick super kicks in uh, for a couple of very quick pinfall attempts um, on Goldberg however Goldberg doesn't mess around um, he nails Ziggler with a huge spear followed by his patented jackhammer covers and gets to one two three and the match is over in less than two minutes uh, for a split second there the fans thought that uh, you know there was a shock on the cards with Ziggler getting in a couple of quick super kicks to start the match however Goldberg had other ideas and only needed one opportunity to hit his spear and his jackhammer for the finish. Um, After the match, Dolph Ziggler gets on the mic, uh, once again saying that uh, it was like getting hit by a baby and Goldberg didn't have the guts to fight him like a man. That prompted Goldberg to turn around, re-enter the ring for one more spear. Um, But that wasn't the end as Ziggler grabs the mic, once again prompting Goldberg to come out for a third time and to run the ropes and hit a third and final spear. And like I say, despite Goldberg's 52 years of age, he looks great here and still uh, has the best spear in the business, in my opinion. And has gone some way towards eliminating some of those tarnished memories of his uh, dismal match against The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia a few months ago. So it was short and sweet. Um, I thought both wrestlers played their part really well. Uh, Ziggler bounced around for Goldberg uh, like only Dolph Ziggler can. Uh, but what were your thoughts on this one? It, you know, it was a, uh, a typical Goldberg match. You could say, you know, over uh, you blink and you miss it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, starting with you, Heather, uh, what were your thoughts on this? And uh, Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler, uh, Dolph Ziggler's antics on the mic to urge uh, Goldberg to dish out yeah. more punishment. Um, aptly named match number two. I thought it, it was a bit of a number two match. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really disappointing. I love Dolph Ziggler and I really want him to be like a massive star. 
Um, and that's probably because I really like an underdog. But I think he's, he's been massively underrated for such a long time. Really, really talented guy. I'd probably like to see him make a move from WWE. I know he's, he's just signed another contract for another year. Um, so not sure that that's going to happen. But um, interesting that he's giving himself, you know, a little bit of time and some options. Um, and like you say, Goldberg really did have a lot to prove with his uh, stinky match before with The Undertaker. So I'm really, I'm really impressed with the work that he did, but just disappointed that it was a bit of a throwaway match as far as I'm concerned. It didn't really, it didn't really matter, you know, all, all the mouthing off in the world that Dolph could have done didn't take away from the fact that he was probably picked because he was a small guy, easy enough, and light enough for Goldberg to pick up this time and, and not fall over and not embarrass himself. <laughs> Yeah, good point, good point. What about yourself, Chris? Yeah, there's probably some truth in, you know, there's there's a lot that they're going to try and redo to rebuild Goldberg as a big name. Uh, one of the things that I always do like about Goldberg and also Brock Lesnar as well is that there is just this anything-could-happen big fight feel to their matches, yeah. regardless of if that's early in the card or if it's the main event. And I do think that even though Dolph Ziggler was an easy opponent we kind of expected something like what we saw like a quick match it even when it started there was still that big fight feel there was a, a feel of those when those super kicks came in that you thought oh okay so we might see something different and you know as long as they don't run through too much new talent using goldberg still then i don't really see a problem in it like having something like that on the card is quite exciting they probably pay him way too much money for the the the, um, the two minutes that they gave him for. I think he it, it was paid over over half a million for this this uh, this SummerSlam. But if if that's how they want to spend their money and bring the fans back, then they'll they'll do it. It's uh it's a good it's a good fight feel to watch. And yeah, as long as they don't start using talent like Ricochet and AJ Styles and and a lot of people that could really benefit with a push, which. Yeah which Ziggler could have benefited from a few years ago when he did well in Survivor Series. So, you know, it, it just seems like Ziggler's at that point now where he is going to roll over for people and, and do a good job because that's what he does. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really see a problem with the match. It was nice to have it on the card. Um, didn't yeah. add, It could have been there, could not have been. But... didn't really matter. But at least yeah. it gave that big fight feel for a bit. And I can never really knock that because seeing that is, uh, is very rare these days. Yeah, and I, I thought uh, the way that uh, Ziggler taunted and got back on the mic and kind of, uh, yeah, uh, badgered Goldberg to go back in the ring and dish out more punishment. I thought it was, you know, uh, um, you know, it, it did Ziggler some favours in terms of how we reacted to to the loss and uh, continue to taunt uh, Goldberg after the match. But um, yeah, I think the only thing that um, would have been worse than this match if it had gone any longer, to be honest with you, I think that Goldberg should be used in just short and sweet matches. Um, but uh, yeah, let's move on to match number three. And this is for the United States Championship. And uh, it features AJ Styles versus Ricochet. So uh, AJ Styles is accompanied to the ring, as always, by Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, all members of the OC, of course. Uh, there's an excellent spot at the beginning of the, beginning of the match where everybody's on the outside of the ring and Ricochet uses Gallows and Anderson as stepping stones before executing a Hurricane Rana on AJ on the floor. Now, that was a pretty outstanding move and in itself got a This Is Awesome chant. Uh, AJ then goes to work on Ricochet's left knee. However, even on one knee, Ricochet is still able to hit a standing uh, a standing shooting star press, getting a two count in the process. 
Styles bundles uh, Ricochet to the outside and follows up with a drop kick through the ropes. Styles then uh, is able to get a two count from a fireman slam um, neck breaker. So similar to uh, the, uh, the move that John Cena uses, uh, the, the, the FU or whatever he calls it nowadays, but uh, finishing off with a neck breaker, which looked pretty painful on the landing there. But it's Ricochet's knee that continues to cause him issues throughout this match. Uh, Ricochet does manage to get another two count from a twisting suplex before taking out Gallows and Anderson on the outside of the ring. Then with Ricochet fighting Styles off on the top turnbuckle, he then attempts a, like a Phoenix splash. However, Styles is quick to react and somehow catches Ricochet midair, dropping him in like a powerbomb of sorts before applying the Styles Clash um, and gets the one, two, three after hitting the Styles Clash on Ricochet, retaining his United States Championship. So that was a really good match. Uh, it went 13 minutes. A little bit disappointing that Ricochet had to fight the entire match with an injured left knee. Um, I understand that it was all part of the story of the match, which AJ Styles was able to capitalise on and eventually retain his championship after 13 minutes. Nonetheless, a good match, but I'm sure we haven't seen the last of these two in the ring together. Uh, hand it over to you, Chris. Um, two really top names, two really athletic and very exciting wrestlers here. Um, you obviously had the the inclusion of uh, the OC on the outside um, and uh, the injury that was uh, uh, dished out to Ricochet's knee early on in the match. But what were your thoughts on this one? Overall, it was a good match. Ricochet very nearly overcame the odds, uh, but not quite in the end. And AJ retained his championship. Yeah, I thought it was a great match. Um, I love both these guys. Watch pretty much anything that they would do and have been following AJ for years. I felt that recently in the WWE, he's definitely slowed down a lot. And his fighting style, if you watch a lot of his um, last matches and feuds that he's had, it has been the kind of find, uh, find a body part and keep working on that. And I felt that this storyline kind of played towards that a little bit more. So I was a little bit apprehensive halfway through the match and and felt that it was kind of working towards AJ's slower type of fighting now. Um, but that said, Ricochet, everything he did, absolutely incredible. And then in the last 10 minutes, I think they both really ramped it up. And the ending with the Styles Clash when he, when he caught him was... Totally, totally unexpected. I thought it was a really good way to do it. And yeah, I, I thought it was a great match overall. It was a, a really solid performance from both of them. And like you said, I don't think we've seen the last of them. The fact that, you know, um, the fact that there was uh, interference from the outside and an injured leg means that we've got a lot more to see on this feud. And it could probably take us all the way to Mania. If it is, is they could, I'd watch them fight that much that yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Yeah, I'd love definitely. That too. Uh, what about yourself, Heather? What were your thoughts on this uh, this championship match? Yeah, I, I really would uh, would like to see this feud continue. I think it would be awesome. Um, I love how they're kind of turning AJ into a bit of a heel. Um, you know, with the club, um, with Gallows and Anderson. I like that. Um, I feel like it's it's not something we've seen from him very much in the past. So it's quite a fun new angle. And as he's going to be. Um, in the WWE for some time to come, he's got a lot of time on his hands to play with and try out new new styles and new, you know um, new moves and and stuff like that. So I'm I'm really happy with it. Um, always love Ricochet. Obviously with an injury, he can't do as much high flying stuff as you'd usually see from him. So it's a bit of a you know here's a taste of what we can do. Um, you know let let's let's give them something so that they want a bit more. 
Definitely, definitely. I think there's a, a lot more uh, in store between these two. But uh, yeah, let's move into uh, another championship match. Uh, this time, Bailey defends her WWE SmackDown Women's Championship against Ember Moon. So um, I think, like many, to be honest with you, I've been a little bit underwhelmed by Bailey's championship reign. Maybe that's just me, but that's a general impression I get from others as well. But I was pleased to see Ember Moon here get a title shot. Um, I've been a, a big fan of Ember Moon since her NXT days, and this, in fact, was Ember's first singles match on a WWE pay-per-view and it happens to be a championship match as well so good for her uh, yeah. ba- Bailey is able to a- in- apply an inverted Boston Crab for an early submission attempt on her opponent uh, Moon is able to avoid a running clothesline uh, to drop Bailey with a super kick sending the champion to the outside Ember then hits an impressive hurricane runner from the top rope on Bailey Moon uh, Ember Moon then gets a close near fall from a modified code breaker to the face of Bailey but after receiving a ton of punishment uh, from Ember, Bailey is able to win the match with her belly to Bailey suplex from the second turnbuckle to retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, for what it's worth, I really enjoyed this match, mostly because uh, of some of the innovative offense from Ember Moon, um, who presented a fresh and exciting opponent for a Women's Championship match on a major WWE pay-per-view. And I hope to see a lot more of Ember uh, in the future um, after this performance here against Bailey. She uh, ended up on the losing end in this match. Uh, so Bailey retains. She's still the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, um, Heather. Um, I'd say this is the, I think, the second women's match already on this card. Um, I think it's uh, the, the second of, uh, I think, three matches in total on this mm-hmm. card. So, um, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on Ember Moon versus Bailey as a match? Um, get rid of Bailey. I've seen enough of her. Don't care about her at all. I know she's all like, oh, you know, my struggle. I, I'm, you know, talented, blah, blah, blah. All of that, don't care. I've, I've not invested in her and I don't know what she has to do to make me care about her. Whereas Ember Moon, loved her, you know, since the beginning in NXT. Really excited to see her get her first title shot. Um, you know, as soon as Bailey gets rid of the title and somebody a little bit more exciting gets it, maybe like, like a Sasha um you know or something like that then i'd be really really keen to see ember take more of a center stage she's probably a little bit too new um to have it now which is why she didn't get it but at least the match offered enough impressive spots from both um to for everybody to see how cool she is yeah what well, would just to touch on your kind of uh, a Bailey comment there. How would you react to Bailey if she were to turn heel? I know that uh, a lot of people are saying that her character's quite stale. She's kept the same kind of uh, happy-go-lucky babyface character now for many years, you know, dating back to when she was in yeah. NXT and was the NXT champion. Um, and her character hasn't really changed that much. She, you know, in the last five years, you could say, if not longer. Um, you know, if, for those of you that watch NXT and have recently seen the heel turn of Io Shirai, you've seen how yeah. effective that heel turn has been and how that's given Io um, a, a new dimension to her yeah. character. Um, a lot of people are saying that a heel turn for Bailey might do wonders for her as well. What's your thoughts on that? I would be interested to see it. I'm, you know, always open-minded. I'm, I'm obviously quite quick to judgment, and I think that's part of the fun of wrestling. <laughs> that's that's what you're that's what you're there to do. But I'm a huge fan of talent and integrity. Integrity is really important to me when it comes to wrestling. So I think someone with a story like Bailey's um, shouldn't kind of just do it do a, a you know a turn to heel just because 
she's got no interest in her character. If her character really is who she is, and that's all a big part of it, then she just needs to make us believe it more and make us care about it. There we go. Chris, uh, your thoughts on this match? Yeah, well, um, just a quick touch on Bailey is she's she is very much like John Cena, but without the Doctor of Fugonomics. So that's what she needs. A heel turn might not be as exciting as maybe just a complete <laughs> character change. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Ember Moon. And I do think as much as I don't really like Bailey's character, she does know how to go out and put a match on. So, um yeah, I'd like to see Ember Moon on on more pay-per-views. It was a good introduction to her, um, especially on, on a pay-per-view for anyone that may only watch pay-per-views. They might not even know who she is. So um, I, I thought it was a good introduction there. And yeah, just just more Ember Moon. Um, Bailey can stay around. I'm not I'm not fast either way. But, Sorry, um, Bailey. She can she can uh, maybe a, a different different character might work for her, but. She, she, you know, she's got a big fan base with the kids, and I think sometimes when you're an adult, you forget that a large part of WWE's audience is kids, and and that's gonna be, that's gonna keep her going for quite a while. Yeah. So, you know, that that's, that's gonna be why she's so popular. Well said, well said. So let's have a look at the next match. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Now, the stipulation here is that uh, if Kevin Owens were to lose, um, his career is on the line with the WWE, so he could potentially be gone if he were to lose here to Shane. So uh, there, there's some obvious, some huge support here from the Toronto crowd for Kevin Owens, as you would expect, uh, with Owens sporting a Fight Toronto Fights t-shirt for his fellow Canadian countrymen. Uh, Shane introduces a line as the special guest enforcer to help him officiate the match, uh, setting up some obvious shenanigans for later on, I'm sure. Uh, despite trying not to get distracted by Elias on the outside, Owens does manage to get in some offence uh, with a running cannibal onto Shane in the corner of the ring. However, it's Shane who gets the first two count of the match with a float over DDT. Uh, then to the ire of the Canadian fans, Shane attempts to apply a sharpshooter. Um, Elias then gets onto the ring apron to distract the referee before sliding a steel chair into the ring, enticing Owens to use the chair to get disqualified. However, Owens stays focused uh, to nail a senton from the top rope, followed by a frog splash. But as he goes for the pinfall, Elias drags the referee out of the ring to stop the three count. Uh, the referee then gets knocked, knocked down to the floor, prompting Owens to finally use the chair on Elias before dumping him over into the timekeeper's area. The match does end when Owens stops himself from using the steel chair on Shane this time, uh, but uh, as he hands the chair back to the referee and with the referee's back turned, Owens strikes Shane with a low blow, followed by a stone cold stunner, covers and gets the one, two, three for the win um, and uh, saves his career within the WWE after nine minutes, 20 seconds. So I thought this was a fun and well-booked match with Owens looking strong in front of his countrymen. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts, Chris. Um, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon with uh, quite a bit of outside interference from uh, the special outside enforcer, Elias. I'll say the match um, was, was fun. Uh, not really a match you could take too seriously, um, but uh, Kevin Owens, he's kind of recently turned uh, as a baby face. Obviously, in front of, he's in front of his Canadian countrymen, so he's always going to get cheered anyway. Uh, but how do you think this match went? And uh, what, what do you think it's done for the characters leading out of this match? Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, I do always question whether Shane is needed on a pay-per-view card, though. Um, he, he's almost become 
I mean, he's now been on more pay-per-views than Roman Reigns this year, I think, yeah. uh, just <laughs> just because of the exclusion of Roman Reigns on this one. And you, you do have to wonder about all the talent that is in the back if Shane is actually needed. I think I, I, I love Shane, and I think that what he does when he when he comes out and uh, it's great to see a coast to coast. It's great to see him kind of put his body on the line and it shows how much passion he still has for the business that he doesn't need to wrestle in. Um, but that said, I think his, his feud with Kevin Owens has actually been really good and that they're a good matchup for each other. I just, I, I kind of, I like Kevin Owens so much that I want to see him in the big picture again. I want to see him fighting for the titles. I want to see him, um, maybe even see him fight Brock Lesnar or see him fight Goldberg and see what would happen. There's there's so many other things I think you could do with both people that I don't know if the match is necessarily needed. But that said, you're absolutely right. It was a lot of fun to watch and you definitely need that on the pay-per-views as well. You need matches that necessarily don't matter and, and matches that are just going to be fun. And I think, I think they delivered that. And um, Elias always usually delivers that when he's Shane McMahon's henchman, especially. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it was, a, it was a fun watch. It was really good. Yeah, Heather, what, what about yourself, Heather? I was really hoping that um, Edge would come out and be Kevin Owens' enforcer after um, after he did, did he do a he did a spear didn't he um, in the in the pre-show That's right. um, that I read about um, and that I I saw sneakily on Instagram before we watched it so I was really really excited and I was like oh, yeah Edge is gonna come back it's gonna be amazing but he didn't so it was it was kind of like a little bit uh, biased in in terms of in Shane's direction so I thought that Shane might win. I thought, ah, oh, Kevin's fine. He's come back from loads of these matches like this where he's pretended that he's going to quit or that he's going to be fired and then he's still he's still around. No one can get rid of him because everybody loves watching him so much. Um, so I'm glad that he actually won and I'm really glad that it was such a fun match. Um, like Chris, I would like to see him fighting fighting Brock Lesnar or or up there with a, with a more of a fighting chance. But I think that he's playing the long game um, and I think that... You know, if he's going to do it, he might want to do it with Sami Zayn. You know, he might actually want to do it with his best friend. And what would be absolutely beautiful is to see, you know, him and Sami, you know, with the tag team titles as, you know, like in the in the future. That's kind of where I see him going. So yeah. that's my prediction for when we're doing this in five years time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you both, both want to see uh, Kevin Owens in a more prominent role in the future. And now that he's got his new babyface character and seems to be getting quite a few wins under his belt and uh, uh, winning you know, key matches like this one against uh, Shane McMahon, um, hopefully, uh, yeah, but he, he could be could be in uh, content contention for championship gold in the future no doubt but uh, a match that um, I thought was one of the best matches of the night um, was the match between Charlotte Flair and Trish Stratus so uh, this match kind of really surprised me was uh, a match I wasn't particularly looking forward to going into it I thought that uh, Trish has obviously seen better days Charlotte Flair you know, we, we used to her usually being in contention for some championship gold or another um, but uh, in this match, uh, Trish definitely took the match to the Queen with a Hurricane Rana off the ropes in the early stages. Uh, this match soon went to the outside where Charlotte dropped Trish off the ring steps with Trish landing hard face first on the steel uh, before being launched into the barriers at ringside. So um, when they were stood in the ring together, you may have noticed there was quite a big size difference between Charlotte and Trish Stratus. And uh, Charlotte definitely dominated in terms of the size and strength uh, angle here. Uh, 
Um, Charlotte spends the next few minutes, uh, I've put down here, bullying Trish in the ring until Trish turns with repeated punches. Uh, Charlotte connects with a sweet boot to the face of the former seven-time champion, sending Trish hard off the ring apron to the outside. Charlotte then goes for a moonsault, uh, but the Hall of Famer move to avoid uh, the moonsault before reversing a powerbomb attempt from Charlotte into a brilliant hurricane runner off the top rope. So another move of the night there. Trish then takes the queen by surprise, executing her own figure eight uh, leg lock on uh, Charlotte, um, making Charlotte... Um, almost submit with her own move there. Uh, Trish then gets a close near fall with her own finisher, the Stratisfaction. Uh, the crowd are really getting behind her um, Toronto favourite uh, with a This Is Awesome chart. Both women trade chops and, and kind of punches uh, before Charlotte floors Trish with a big boot before applying her own figure eight leg lock for the submission victory. So Another really fun match. Um, but to this point, I think this is probably my favourite match of the night, probably the best match of the night up to this point, with Trish showing uh, a lot of resilience, uh, very nearly coming away with the victory on a few occasions. But in the end, it was Charlotte Flair, who was just too strong for the former seven-time women's champion. Uh, Trish got a well-deserved standard ovation from her own crowd at the end of the match. And uh, the, the thing that impressed me most about uh, how this match seemed, it seemed like a fight. It did seem like a, a really good fight between two credible uh, wrestlers. And uh, by the end of it, uh, by the end of the match, both women felt like they had been through a fight as well, for sure. So uh, I just really enjoyed kind of the, the realism of this match. Um, and uh, they both took their punishment, but the Queen came out on top. Uh, Chris, I'd love to know your thoughts on this match between Trish Stratus and Charlotte Flair. Yeah, excellent match. Uh, at first, I thought that uh, Trish had a little bit of ring rust. Some of the... Some of the early moves didn't quite um, gel. It looked like they took a, a minute to get used to each other. But after that, um, I think they pulled off what could be a classic SummerSlam match. And really, I think if we watch it again in a, in a couple of weeks, we might even see a lot of stuff that we didn't even realize was so great about it. Um, Charlotte had some really big attempts of a, a moonsault that she missed and uh, there was a lot of Hurricane Ranas flying around as well. I, like you said, I think it was just a real fight. And uh, you never really knew if Trish was going to come back to lose. So I felt I felt that it, it was it was just really, you know, you're kind of on edge and not knowing who was going to win it throughout the whole time. And they really sold that during the entire match. So, yeah, no complaints from me. I thought it was excellent. Um, definitely up until up until the night. Like you said, this is probably the best best fight of the night. Um, yeah. So, yeah, re really solid, really strong performance from both of them. And yeah, whatever Charlotte's journey is now, I think is, is she, she she's proving that she can do it, and she's proving to a lot of people that it isn't just a name anymore. And I know she's been spending the last year or so trying to do that, but um, to get someone like Trish to come back to have one of these kind of dream matches, and, and for both of them to really pull it off is is not an easy task. So mm. yeah, they did well, really Some good. Good points, good points. Uh, Heather, what about yourself? I didn't think it was very good. Um, I didn't think you were both going to say that. I, th I thought, I thought everyone, I I saw the ring rust, and to me, it felt like Charlotte was was carrying Trish, and that made me really disappointed because, you know, this is I'm a newer wrestling fan, so this is, um, you know, me watching. I've kind of grown up more with Charlotte Flair, if you like, than I have with Trish Stratus. 
Um, but I'm not a huge Charlotte fan anyway. Um, so I, I saw some of the botched moves and some of the um, some of the time in between the moves. Um, and what I really loved about how they recovered from that is um, how vocal Charlotte got. So Charlotte went in there and she started like having a go at Trish um, and really, really kind of um, trying to get something out of her. And a part of me was just like, I'm watching this going, you know, they, they rehearsed this, they choreographed it and they've forgotten what they're doing. And now, and now it's just embarrassing. So for me, I, I watched, a com- I felt like I could watch a completely different match. I didn't think it was very good at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, he, he, wrestling is all about uh, different opinions, but uh, no, yeah. that's fine. Um, but uh, I, I think a lot of people are kind of coming away from this match thinking that, you know, it's great to see Trish Stratus back in the ring after so many years. Now, I know that she was at the Evolution pay-per-view last year, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe that she was also in uh, the Women's Royal Rumble, um, if not this year, possibly last year. So uh, she has kind of made little comebacks of sorts but this was kind of her biggest match in in several years possibly since she retired uh, more than a decade ago but um yeah uh like i say two big names here and it looks like uh, charlotte flair is is kind of not just defeating today's stars but defeating yesterday's stars as well so um yeah let's move on to uh, the next match and this one was for the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston, who uh, we remember kind of won the championship in that very, very memorable match against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania versus Randy Orton. So uh, according to the narrative, this is a feud 10 years in the making. Um, and uh, uh, within a couple of minutes of the match, we see Randy Orton launch Kofi from the top turnbuckle down hard onto the guard railings uh, down below before dumping Kofi onto the announce table at ringside. So a really kind of uh, hard few minutes for Kofi um, in the opening couple of minutes here against uh, Randy Orton. We're reminded that Randy is a current 13 times WWE or world champion with only Triple H, Ric Flair and John Cena having uh, won more world championships than uh, the Vikings himself. Randy dumps uh, Kofi onto the announce table for a second time before being uh, rolled into the ring for Randy to get a two count. Kofi strikes back, leaping from the top turnbuckle with a tornado DDT. Uh, Kofi hits a trust fall from the top turnbuckle from the top rope onto Randy on the outside before connecting with a flying crossbody for a two count. Uh, Randy ch- changes the momentum of the match by uh, with a draping DDT for a two count of his own um, but uh, when Kofi looked to be making a comeback, Randy catches Kofi in midair with an RKO from out of nowhere uh, with Kofi saving his title by rolling out of the ring to prevent Randy from being able to cover him then with both wrestlers on the outside Randy starts to mock and humiliate Kofi in front of his family before both men get into a huge brawl around the ringside area leading to a double count out to end this match so the match kind of ended a bit prematurely when it was just starting to get good uh Kofi obviously upset with uh, Randy's action goes um uh, a little bit crazy utilizing a kendo stick which he finds underneath the ring why there's a kendo stick under the ring I could not tell you uh, but uh, used it to beat at Randy Orton with of course drawing a close to this championship match segment so the match was good and it was getting better before its double count out conclusion. However, I'm sure that we'll see a rematch between these two at the next pay-per-view, um, especially when you take into account how this match ended. Uh, so Heather, starting with you, Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. It's obviously, uh, um, it's kind of 
rather disappointing conclusion is obviously leading us to a rematch of the next pay-per-view. But what did you think of the match as a whole anyway? Uh, over to you, yeah. Heather. Yeah, it was all right. I um, It was one of those ones that, because um, we don't tend to get a lot of time in the evening, so we, we weren't going to watch the whole thing last night. This is one of the matches we decided to watch um, today. And I'm actually a bit disappointed that we didn't watch it yesterday because it was quite good and we weren't mm-hmm. expecting it to be as good as it was. Um, there was a lot of brilliant acting um, from Randy Orton, um, where at that one point when he was being kind of dazed around the ring, I was like, are, you, are we sure that he's not just drunk or something? He just looks really, really weird. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like I probably underestimate Randy quite a lot because he's one of those kind of, you know, throwback champions that's still in the game and I don't think I've really seen him have many amazing matches in in recent years um, and so I'm actually quite excited to see what this might do for for Randy and Kofi in the future it was a lot of fun they're both very talented um, an RKO is an interesting move like when you really look at it because because when he when that when he did do the RKO out of nowhere it kind of looked to me that he was just giving him a quick hug as he kind of fell towards the ground, which I like. Always up for a hug. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't like it when when Randy was like taunting uh, Kofi in front of the kids. I was very much very angry with him then uh, for doing that. But, you know, it is all part of the storyline. And there are going to be a lot of people watching that who go, ah, get more angry at him. So it helps to kind of to make this something that people are going to be interested in, which is why I'm I'm all right that it's it's it ended how it did, you know, with a double count out. Chris, you were um you were you saw that roll up happen, um and you were like oh he was he saw that first roll up and he was just like no so angry this might end. Were you happy with how it ended in the end? Uh yeah, so my I'm notoriously I hate title matches that end in a roll up like to to be the finish. So when that happened, I thought they were just going to do like a quick, oh, Kofi stole it out of nowhere or whatever. <laughs> and, and I was just kind of, I thought that was going to happen, but luckily it didn't. And then I didn't see the count out coming because I think we see so much emphasis on when there is a count out now, you see the count to 10. And I thought they did a really good job, especially with maybe the editing and the directors mm. actually deserved the good job for this. But you didn't <laughs> see the referee counting the match became secondary to Randy Orton taunting mm. Kofi in front of his family. And some of Orton's best storylines in the past were the ones that got very personal. And I think that that's what I thought. I thought that that was good, even though it might be an unfavorable ending to the match. Mm. Uh, it definitely did feel like it ended prematurely and it felt like it was getting better and better as it went along. So I could have watched the match for another another 10 minutes. But the fact it ended with that bit of a storyline makes me want to watch the next match even more. And I can't say that about any of Kofi's other title defences. So I think this 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 kind of dynamic that they have going on could be really exciting and could be really good. Um, I just hope it isn't a... Uh, a longer kind of game plan to get evolution back together to fight the new day. <laughs> but, but that's probably just the cynic in me that just doesn't want I'll watch to, that. To, to, I'll be well up for that. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I thought it was a great match. Uh, loads of great spots in there. Um, really good moments. Yeah. What do you think about the trust fall? If I was uh, Kofi's opponent, I would just kind of stand to one side. I wouldn't stand there to take that. <laughs> No. <laughs> wow. all, the, all the bumps they take that's probably not the worst of it. <laughs> there we go 
Anyway, I, I, I think one of the biggest talking points coming out of SummerSlam was what we're going to talk about next. And uh, the advertised match was uh, Bray Wyatt's new character, The Fiend, uh, which uh, has been building over what seems like many months now, thanks to skits like the, the Firefly Funhouse um, and, and kind of Bray Wyatt's introduction to the the Fiend over many weeks uh, on that show, but it was the ad- advertisers the Fiend versus Finn Balor. So Finn Balor makes his entrance before uh, we get the debut of uh, and, and the mesmerising entrance of the Fiend. Um, and it has to be said that the entrance of the Fiend is simply out of this world. Um, it, ca- it comes out to an altered version of his original theme um, of Bray Wyatt's original theme, uh, but with the lantern made out of Bray Wyatt's head and of course the mask of the fiend itself uh which is something out of everybody's nightmares there's uh zowie wowie charts from the fans before the match even got started uh but the, the, the fiend dominated finn balor in this match with uh, clubbing blows to start off with before grabbing balor's head and uh, snapping it around as if he was trying to break balor's neck um, the Fiend drops Balor with uh, an enziguri, but Balor made um, a brief comeback, was able to uh, strike with a, a sling blade. However, Balor was unable to hit his uh, finisher, um, his trademark coup de gras, as the Fiend catches Finn in midair with the mandible claw, which of course is the infamous finisher of mankind, of course, and Yay. with uh, the, the Fiend's fingers inside the mouth of Finn. Um, the Fiend actually pinned Balor's shoulders to the mat. Uh, for the one, two, three. And after the pinnacle victory, the lights go out. Uh, we hear some laughter over the speakers. The lights come back on. And with the single spotlight focusing directly onto the theme, looking over his shoulder uh, before the lights go, lights go out again. And uh, when they come back on, the fiend is nowhere to be seen. So I'm sure that my description of what happened here uh, failed to give this segment any justice at all, especially with the fiend's entrance, um, his look, his uh, dominance against Finn Balor. But uh, whatever we witnessed was unlike anything I've seen before. So starting with you, Chris, uh, the Fiends versus Finn Balor. It uh, was was a, was a quick match. I think it was there more to get over the character of the Fiend and his fantastic entrance. Um, does this mean that um, the Fiend could be kind of pushing the boundaries to what is deemed access- acceptable in the WWE nowadays? And are they kind of pushing that to uh, PG uh, PG uh, era out of the window for something a little bit more adult based. I don't know, but uh, this was probably not kid friendly, is what I'm trying to say. Especially mm-hmm. the mask and the, the kind of rather spooky entrance and uh, the new Bray Wyatt lantern uh, head lantern. Uh, but give us your thoughts on uh, this kind of what happened here then. Well, it was definitely creepy, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought. Yeah, excellent entrance. Uh, personally, I did like the older version of the theme tune. I thought it was a, a, a lot more of the crowd seemed to get behind it more, and that made it such a great atmosphere. And and this was it felt unhinged, which is definitely the vibe that the fiend should be going for because that's a little bit more of what that character um, has to offer. I really liked the Bray Wyatt head lantern. I don't think there's many people that won't think that that's that's a great idea. I'd love to see if when the fiend beats people in the future that he ends up using his previous opponent's head as the lantern. So maybe seeing a Finn Balor lantern in in his next match, that might be a a good thing. Almost like when Rick Rude used to wear um, 
kind of like your oh, your yeah. girlfriend or your wife on his trousers. It would be a good little um, ode back to some of those beatings and uh, j- just something a little bit more Undertaker-ish towards it, yeah. where where you used to have the tombstones and the caskets with people's names on it. I think there's definitely something interesting going on that will will give us a lot of talking points. Uh, great match. Uh, throughout the match, you could see the fiend fighting with himself quite a lot kind of almost as if he was trying to be Bray Wyatt but couldn't be and I think that there'll be a longer story there Bray Wyatt being the 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 amount of thought he's put into this character Mm. there's probably something where maybe we'll get a a a Fiend versus Bray Wyatt match in the future the same way we had Undertaker versus Undertaker (laughs) but um be so cool I I loved I loved it I love what he's doing um I'd like to see the demon versus the Fiend I think that's where this is well, it, it makes sense as to where that this is going. And even more important, I think that WWE should realize that The Fiend is something that should only be used on big occasions. Yeah, very it, true. It, if they keep this for the big pay-per-views every year, I will probably follow this storyline like forever now. But if he ends up like popping up on every Raw and SmackDown or he's he's doing every show that they can physically put him on because he's a draw, then I think they're going to would probably overuse the character a lot quicker. Um, th- this should be a, a kind of six times a year. Let's use him for the big matches and uh, give him that aura around it, that it is something slightly more unhinged, something slightly more away from your usual programming. And, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah. Some really good points there, Chris. Uh, what about yourself, Heather? Uh, what did you think yeah. of the fiend, the entrance, the mask, the match and the finish? I thought it was really cool. Um, I'll, I'll start at the finish, um, which uh, obviously one of our favourite wrestlers, um, massive, massive Mankind and Mick Crowley fans here. Um, so loved seeing that come back um, because it is a gruesome finish, isn't it? It's horrible. You don't want someone's fingers in your mouth and it can knock you out. So it's actually, it's quite a scary one. And I, I like I like the, the way it was used here. Um, I think it was right that The Fiend won. He does have the same quality that The Undertaker had and with The Undertaker getting on, they need to start considering what they're going to do to replace that um, phenom energy that they have had. Um, I'm really excited for, you know, in a few years' time when when the storyline's been going on a while, for Bo Dallas to come out as some kind of Kane-esque brother to the fiend in his in his costume <laughs> they could fight each they other oh, well, I, they that. need to um uh, well I, I believe that that will happen um yes yeah, so i thought it was really really cool absolutely love bray wyatt's mind he's always been one of the best um on the mic um in the past and now that he's able to get across um the same thoughts and and feelings without saying anything is incredible. So really, really impressive um, work from Bray, someone who who probably will see in the business for a very, very long time to come. Yeah. Um, obviously, Finn was there too. He's great. But, um, you know, like Chris said, I do think this is a big setup for Demon versus Fiend at Mania next year. 
be perfect yeah. timing for it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I really like about this, I think they're going to continue with the, the Jekyll and Hyde type theme where yeah. you've possibly got uh, um, Firefly Funhouse Bray doing a lot of the kind of backstage mic work, whether it be around his uh, his puppet friends and then in the ring, it's all business with the Fiend and uh, you'll never yeah. see the two together. But uh, yeah, so I mean, this is all from the from the mind of, of Bray Wyatt. So uh, what does that tell you about him? Um, but uh, no, absolutely fantastic moments. And I think it's probably been uh, certainly the biggest talking point coming out of SummerSlam was was the the, the, the Fiend's debut um, yeah. and kind of the, the entrance and uh, the lantern. And uh, yes, some really good points from you two. Definitely, definitely look forward to uh, to Bo Dallas uh, being one of uh, <laughs> the Fiend's um, zombie henchmen or something like that in the future. But uh, let's have a look at the main event now. This was for the WWE Universal Championship and of course, uh, champion Brock Lesnar got into this match against uh, Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins you may have seen well he's been he's been feuding with uh, Brock on and off for most of the year and of course Seth uh, managed to beat Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania in the opening match um, in a, a, a super quick match for what it was um, and uh, Brock obviously uh, cashed in on Seth Rollins um, earlier on in the year to uh, regain his championship um, and this was uh, yeah a continuation from all of that this match um, it doesn't open the show, it closes the show this time round and straight out the gate Seth Rollins is able to hit a curb stomp for a close near fall managing to uh, rock the champion almost instantly in the opening moments of this match. Uh, Rollins is able to land on his feet from a Brock German suplex before connecting with a super kick. Uh, Lesnar then drags Rollins around the ring with a tape um, that was uh, meant to be protecting Seth Rollins' injured or previously injured ribs from that uh, backstage attack on Monday Night Raw from a few weeks go Lesnar then takes control with several brutal German suplexes, including a suplex on the outside. Uh, Rollins makes a comeback, uh, drop kicking Brock off the ring apron into the announce table. Rollins then connects with two suicide dives, but Brock manages to catch Rollins in midair before driving his uh, challenger, his opponent, hard into the ring post. But it's Rollins who manages to kick Brock um, onto the uh, announce table before climbing back into the ring, launching himself from the top turnbuckle, crashing both himself and Brock Lesnar through the table uh, to holy shit chance from the fans. Then with Lesnar back in the ring, Rollins delivers a frog splash, then a curb stomp followed by um, another two count. Uh, Rollins goes for a second curb stomp only to be caught by Brock in what looks like an F5 attempt. However, Rollins avoids the F5, nails a super kick and delivers another curb stomp covers and gets the pin for victory to become two-time universal champion so this was a really fun match a fast-paced match a hard-hitting match with Rollins fighting hard to overcome the beast um, injured ribs and all uh, this match was definitely uh, one of the highlights of the night in my opinion and possibly one of the best matches of the night in my opinion with Rollins bringing the entire crowd along for the ride with him um, in what was an excellent victory to regain his universal championship so um, going into this match, I had fairly low expectations because it's a match we've seen once or twice before. Um, and uh, Seth Rollins has never really clicked with me as the big babyface champion. But 
this match definitely did him a lot of favours. Um, he was definitely over with the crowd. I think his energy and the way that he eventually overcame Brock Lesnar um, did him a lot of favours with uh, fans that may be sitting on the fence about Seth Rollins as a, as a babyface champion. And um, yeah, he certainly made a believer out of me. I think Brock Lesnar certainly played his part um, as, the, as a big beast uh, very, very well, eventually falling to Seth Rollins. But Heather, starting with you, we've got a new universal champion in Seth Rollins. Yeah. Uh, what what did you think of the match? And uh, yeah, give us give us your thoughts on the on this match in particular. Well, I I really loved it. Um, I, I I like you have um, I've, I've always loved Seth Rollins, but I prefer him as a heel. Um, I think he plays plays that character so so well. Um, so I'm, I've not been as keen um, as him as a babyface champion or character. Uh, but yeah, absolutely thought this match was amazing. Really, really great energy. Um, some some really tough moves from them both. I have to say, when I saw Brock pull the tape from um, Seth Rollins um, and kind of like he had him like one of those little toys you have that you kind of like when you bounce the ball on your hand like that and it just kind of goes bounce, bounce, bounce like on a string. Uh, it reminded me of that. I thought, oh my god, Seth's gonna die. Like Brock's gonna kill him. Like he's he's the beast. You can't you can't beat him. I thought, oh no, this is this is gonna be really disappointing for him. So I, I kind of almost wanted to see him lose this one and for there to be another even bigger and better um, you know, opportunity for him to win the championship. But I'm glad that he did win because I really like Seth. Um, but my favourite thing about the match uh, was uh, Paul Heyman and his uh, face, just his and his uh, all of what he was doing with his face on the ring. He sat there and he had his hands around his face, all like ah, when he was looking at Brock Lesnar, and then he was had his pulling his eyes down like ah. Um, yeah, I could watch Paul Paul Heyman make faces at Brock Lesnar all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So Seth Rollins was uh, Brock Lesnar's very own personal wrestle buddy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Chris, give us your thoughts on this. Uh, what I thought was a very good main event. Yeah, strong main event. Definitely better than the other matches that they've had against each other. Um, I think it lasted around 15 minutes. And it's, it's hard to find a 15-minute uh, a match that delivers like this as a main event that you know just doesn't seem to gel together and i thought that this one really did um it went well again like i said i mentioned earlier about um what i like about both goldberg and brock is that big fight atmosphere and it, the feeling that anything could happen and it feels a little bit more you know kind of uh, a little bit more dangerous it, that was definitely there with this um they didn't do anything that was too crazy that that felt unnecessary it, it all felt very good um my only gripe and i will mention it because it is a slight gripe is the build-up was very much like oh seth might have nearly broken his ribs and might not be able to fight and then during the match he's back flipping out of suplexes left right and center <laughs> and diving all over the place and i think that if they were if they if they went down that storyline a lot more then it would have been a similar match to AJ and Ricochet where Seth was really toying and, and kind of really fighting through the fact that his ribs were injured. This just kind of felt like we need to create a storyline beforehand and he's going to have injured ribs until the night and then he'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> um, it would have almost been better if he'd pretended it 
and then made a joke about it in the match to go, oh, I don't really have broken ribs. I was just playing with you. Like, but maybe that is what it, we were supposed to think. Maybe, it. but it just, it just that that just didn't come off. That didn't come off for me, and I think that that was the only thing that took me out of the match slightly um, because I was thinking the whole time. Hold on, how's he backflipping out of these suplexes with broken ribs? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, fe- I felt that that's the one thing that Seth is missing as a babyface is that he isn't yet selling the injuries that he always seems to have. Uh, I think this was the first match that I recognised that, and I don't think I would have noticed it if I didn't see Ricochet do it so well with his yeah. knee earlier on. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a penny drop moment for me. But otherwise, actually, a really good match. They just didn't need the rib stuff in it. They could have just <laughs> pretended that his ribs were okay, and I would have been none the wiser. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, for what it was, it was an excellent match. But I do take your point that, uh, you know, the, the build-up to this match was the beating that Brock Lesnar gave Seth Rollins a few weeks ago and the, the injury to the ribs and him coming in with taped-up ribs and uh, virtually not selling the injury, to be honest with you, despite the, the punishment that he was taking throughout. Um, but uh, I always think it's a, it's a um, you know, a, a bit of red kind of cloth to a, to a ball when you wear when a wrestler wears tape to protect yeah. a certain body part uh you know you you'd what why why would you even but anyway uh let's say <laughs> seth rollins new universal champion and like i say i think he went some way to kind of making a little little bit of a believer out of me uh with him uh, as a baby face um but uh yeah it was a, a good show overall i thought SummerSlam definitely delivered there were i'd say more highlights than lowlights to be honest with you for me i really enjoyed the ricochet aj styles match really enjoyed the trish stratus and uh, charlotte flair match and uh, the universal championship match was pretty good also um heather chris what were your highlights what were your takeaway moments from this year's SummerSlam. Um, definitely, I think we both agree the uh, Bray Wyatt face lamp. We're going to be ordering one as soon as possible for the house. <laughs> well, Halloween is around the corner. Yeah. A really good Halloween. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed the uh, all the women's matches, um, but the Natalia versus Becky Lynch um, for the Raw Women's Championship. That was my favourite match of the night. And Chris. Um, not so much a favourite match, but a few points that I really do think that I'm excited about is that is for the future, and and that's the first time in a while that I've said that after watching a WWE pay per view. I'm excited to see what happens with the Fiend. Uh, I'm excited to see where Kofi and Orton go, especially if it goes down the road of a a bit more of a personal angle. Um, potentially excited to see almost the end of Brock Lesnar's run. In, if, if at the moment we might not see him for a while um we might see him on raw i don't quite know but it would be interesting to see what happens with some of the other um talent that wwe have and see if they start going into the universal title mix now with seth and uh excited to see what happens with ricochet and aj as well i think there's a lot of a lot of points that will will keep me checking in so um they've definitely done their job there definitely right Thanks. Well, there we go, guys. That draws a close to this week's or this special episode, this review episode of SummerSlam. Um, so uh, thank you very much for helping out with uh, our Wrestling Majolas podcast SummerSlam review. Uh, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Heather. Before we go, I we'll just want to ask uh, where can my listeners uh, find you on social media if they want to get in touch or if they want to see what you're up to on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Chris, first of all, where can uh, the Wrestling Majolas listeners find you out there? Because you do a lot of things... Uh, 
uh, other than uh, being Chris Martin, you are, of course, uh, the rapper Half Decent. So tell us a little bit about that and where we can get in touch. So you can check out my music on uh, halfdecentmusic.com or on Instagram and all social media at halfdecentmusic. Uh, check me out on Spotify, all that sort of stuff. Um, if not, um, I also have a uh, at Half Decent Hasbro's page, which is my collection of uh, kind of 90s wrestling Hasbro toys. And I just I just collect them personally. And it's uh, one of my goals to get all of them in the future. So you can follow my journey with that on there if you're a little bit more into uh, into the old wrestling toys rather than the hip hop music. <laughs> and uh, Heather, where can the listeners uh, find you on social media? Uh, so you can find me um, on Instagram at h to the piz age. Um, but if you're looking for um, finishing move, um, of which I'm also a part, then you can find us at finishing move limited ltd um, on Instagram as well. Um, which obviously you'll, you'll know well by now if you've been an avid listener. Um, you can also find us at finishing move limited dot com. Very good. Right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Heather. We'll uh, definitely aim to get you back on a future episode fairly soon. Uh, but that's it. So uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe and shout about this podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family and keep listening to Wrestling With Johnners for all of your weekly NXT UK, NXT, WWE and all round weekly wrestling goodness. Without you sharing and subscribing, this podcast can't continue to grow. Uh, so hit like, share, subscribe now, people. Don't forget to hit us up on twitter at with johnners underscore pod uh, on instagram at wrestling with johnners and search for our wrestling community page uh, just simply search wrestling with johnners we'll be back again on friday with our weekly update recap show on this week's nxt and nxt uk uh, with the final of the nxt breakout tournament uh, taking place on this week's nxt as well as breezango versus the forgotten sons so uh, a couple of top matches there to look out for in this week's NXT. And we'll be covering that this coming Friday. And I'll be joined by guest host Kieran Reed. But in the meantime, have yourself a really good week. Thanks again to Chris and Heather. Um, in the meantime, take care and speak to you all again soon. Mm-hmm.